Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1998's Gods and Monsters, directed by Bill Condon and starring Ian McKellen and Brendan Fraser. But before we do that, we've got to promote something, Dave. Right. Dudes on Demand is back. Yes. January, folks. Get your requests in right uh dudes on demand everybody it's what it's our thing that we do where we ask you to program an entire month of the show uh send us your requests for for episodes on movies you'd like to hear us talk about we'll have like the the polls will be open from now until like well probably through the end of december i would imagine yeah and you can go to dudesonmovies.com slash demand and there is a form there you can fill out or just send us a message on social media you know Come to our front door and knock on it and there tell you go. us, you know, exactly. if you know where we live. Right. Um, tell the whole world. Yeah. Um, that's kind of scary, Dave. <laughs> yes. But if you do that, we'll, we might do your movie. I mean, we'd have really no choice, I guess, <laughs> if you showed up. Yeah, so there's five slots open. Just so, don't kill us. So uh, we've got to dwindle it down to five. So yes. put them all in and, and we'll choose. If you, if, just reach out to us in any way possible. Yeah. We're, we're super excited. Yes. We, we love doing this. It's always really fun. Um, and... One more thing we want to ask is, if you guys are out there and you like the show, why don't you give us some reviews on Apple Podcasts? Right. You know, um, we've been back for a little bit now. It's been cool. Um, we've got a lot of new listeners. So if uh, you guys would give us some love, we'd really appreciate it. Yes. Um, if you if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, it will really help the show grow. That's the place where like podcasts really take off. And if you can get yourself on the front page of Apple Podcasts because you have a lot of reviews, then it really helps people find the show and it'll really help us out and we'll be able to, you know, do more stuff for you too. Yeah, it'd be awesome. And I know Spotify you can rate shows. Mm-hmm. You can't write a review, but anywhere you are, you know, rate it. Yes. You know? If you get us on like some podcatcher that's that's not uh, Spotify or Apple, obviously, yeah, just give us a review there too or rate us, whatever. Yep. You could also print out an image of our podcast and send it to your grandma in the mail, and she can download us then. Dude, you're, you're hitting me right where I like to be hit. You know, it, it's just like that. That is like, I, I'm. <laughs> I'm always like in. I'm just in love and enamored of dead technology and 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 things we don't do anymore. We can fax it to people, man. Dude. I, I like if we have a pneumatic <laughs> tube system. You know, I'm I'm all about it. That would be sweet. Oh my god! Yes. Um, <laughs> wow, we really derailed this, but uh, we love you guys. So yes. please consider uh, everything we've said and get your movies in. Right, we'll, we'll, we're ready to do them. All right, so now it's time to talk about what we've been watching, Dave. What have you been watching? Um, I watched Casino. Boom. Uh, yes, uh, they, they were they were screening it at Alamo Draft House here in St. Louis, and I, I, my wife and I went to see it on a Friday night, and it was great fun to revisit, you know, one of Martin Scorsese's, you know, uh, tales about crime. You know, <laughs> I, yeah. I know I know that like on. On social media, there's a lot of children who are mad at him. You know, what what, the, what they've always talked about is that he he only does, you know, mob movies. And we all know that's not true. He's done like four movies out of 30 that are about the mafia. Right. Um, but this one is. And it's it's a great one. And it's definitely worth your time. There we go. Exactly. Okay. Um, I watched How to Blow Up a Pipeline. I don't know if you've heard of this film. Uh, no. No, I haven't. Um, it's based on a book. Um, it's about a group of young Americans that set out to blow up an oil pipeline and it follows them as they build a bomb and it leads up to the event. Okay. Um, you get flashbacks of each person's background and kind of why they're doing this and stuff. Everyone's been kind of fucked by the system in their own way. Mm. And now they're trying to get back 
it, it goes into things like what's the difference between terrorism and revolution and stuff like that. Right. Gets into some of this philosophical stuff. It's actually really thrilling in parts, and it's kind of like, oh my god, you're actually building a bomb, and I'm watching you do it, and it's dangerous, and all these like lengths you're going through. You know, you're obviously going to be on the FBI wanted list after you do this. Yes, and of course. So, I mean, the the movie takes a very bold stance, actually, and says that this is right to do at the end. Okay. I would have thought they'd leave it ambiguous, but no, the filmmaker is like, no, fucking blow up the system. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's something. I mean, well, that, yeah, that is a that's a brave stance. Yeah. So um, it's it's a great watch whether you believe that stance or not. Um, right. It's quite thrilling. Jeez, cool. Yeah. So now let's talk about Gods and Monsters, Dave. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Yes. Uh, so um, rather than a straight biographical story, um, this movie is a fictionalized account of the last days of filmmaker James Whale. Um, it's based on Christopher Bram's novel, Father of Frankenstein, and it focuses on Whale's relationship with a young man who symbolizes a lot of his personal and creative past. Uh, it also features an excellent cast and is highly personal to its, its filmmakers, uh, Bill Condon and Clive Barker. And we're going to break it down for you. Clive Barker executive produced it. Bill Condon like, described it as, as Clive Barker has a, like, some parallels with James Whale in that he's involved in, in horror, um, and he's also an English expatriate who was uh, a gay man. And I was like, I, I never thought that, like, Clive Barker and James Whale would, would be, you know, like, uh, right. kind of have a parallel life, but I guess they kind of do. I guess I can see it. Yeah. yeah I mean, Pinhead and Frankenstein, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> they're all-time great monsters, uh, They right? are. I mean, they, they're, <laughs> they're definitely iconic uh, for one reason or another, and... Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's, he has, he has a special interest in this stuff and it's easy to see why. Yeah. Um, so the movie it kicks off with Brendan Fraser. He's getting ready in his beat down trailer, right? Yeah. And he gets in his old crappy truck and he drives to this, you know, nice mansion, you could say. Not a huge mansion, but it's a very nice estate. Yeah, it's a real nice house in Pacific Palisades. Mm -hmm. uh, today would probably cost, you know, millions of dollars. Oh, millions and millions, definitely. Uh, it has a great pool. It just sure does. <laughs> yeah, it's a really nice, nice place. Um, and I saw this movie when it first came out, and because I was a young single man at the time, Brendan Fraser, he plays Clay. His Airstream trailer that you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, it, it's parked right next to the beach. And... It yeah. looks so luxurious to me. Yeah. Um, like when he when he gets up, he immediately lights a cigarette while he's still in bed. Like when he when he finally gets going for the morning, the first thing he does on his way to his truck is he is he like punches a speed bag that's hanging outside. Yeah. And I mean, like a part of me still feels that this looks like luxury. I mean, a very small part of me. You There's know? something idyllic about it. Like it is. This, he's he's just on his own doing his thing. Right. Living by the beach, you know. Yeah, Boy, yeah. I, you know, forget what I said about a small part of me. A pretty big part of me <laughs> thinks this looks pretty good, you know? Yeah, and uh, when you look like him, too, he's oh my like God, he's... pulling left and right. And, man, Jeez. just... Mm. This was this was the a time. I mean, this was the '90s when Brendan Fraser was like uh, he was a commodity because of his looks. Oh yeah, you know, uh, people looked past his acting ability. I think a lot of times because of just he was so good looking. Yeah. It's weird, too, because, like, his personality in real life obviously belies a lot of the characters he played on screen. I mean, he was a he's a big, tough guy who no one wants to mess with. But in real mm -hmm. life, he's 
really sensitive and vulnerable. He's very soft spoken. Yeah, yeah. He's not like those characters. It's he's he's a really good actor, <laughs> as it turns out, because yeah. he, he was able to play some, play people that that were just totally unlike himself. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think he gets more remembered for like the Mummy franchise and I stuff know. like that, which right, which is fine, but you know, that's. That's the way it goes, right? Yes. Someone gets a huge franchise movie that's a giant global hit, and that's all people remember them for now. That that that's kind of like James Whale here, isn't it? Uh, wow. You know, yeah. yeah. Actually, you're right. You're wow. right. Wow. Yes, like like something that that is uh, just one very small part of who they are. It's all anybody thinks about. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. So he's this is James Whale's house, by the way, right. people. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, he's the new like gardener. He has to mow the lawn and right. tend the bushes and everything. Right. Clay uh, works as a gardener, and and this is taking place in like 1957. Yeah. Um, and uh, James Whale, played by the great Ian McKellen. Um, this was the first thing I ever saw Ian McKellen in. I uh, hadn't. I wasn't familiar with him until this movie. Yeah. Um, and. I mean, I, I was very unschooled actually when I saw this movie in entirely. I mean, I I knew I knew of like Boris Karloff in Frankenstein and yeah. Bride of Frankenstein and stuff. Yeah. I knew about that stuff. I didn't know about James Whale, mm-hmm. and um, so this was actually my first exposure to even like any kind of mention of him as a person. Right, uh, was this movie, and so like this was, like this was exactly <laughs> who I thought this man was. You know, completely. Now I know the story is like a fictional, right? Yeah. But the James Whale in the film, I imagine, was pretty much like that, right? Yes. Like, that's how he was. Yes. Um, they, they, they know what happened to him, you know, in the end. They, and they, they know how he died. Um, he left a suicide note. Um, he had a, he'd had a stroke about, a, I think, about like a few months before his, his last days. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he did have this companion, David Lewis, who lived with him, who also worked in film. And um, yeah, everything we see in the movie is is pretty comparable to to what uh, to how he really lived. Yeah, yeah. Was Clayton Boone fictional though? Clayton is Fraser. Co- yeah, Clay is completely fictional. Okay, according to Christopher Bram. Okay. Yeah. So we we meet Ian McKellen. He's in his house, you know, and he's getting ready for an interview that's set up with a. I, it's some guy, Mr. K is his name, right? Yeah. But is he, is he like a student reporter or yeah. something? I think he's yeah. like probably just a, a guy who writes for like the UCLA paper or something. Yeah. yeah, right. So he comes over to interview him and he all he wants to do is talk about the Universal Monsters. All he wants to do is talk about Frankenstein. That's <sighs> all he wants to do. He's quoting, he is fanboying out on him when he, he gets here. He is, and it's and he's doing it in that really kind of insulting way. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. where it's just like he's fawning over him too much. And he's also like, he's just quoting the movie and yeah. then being like, eh, remember yeah, that? I know eh, exactly. that was in your movie. Yes. Remember? Right. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, he's insufferable. He really is. <laughs> yeah. He really is. At, at one point he says, um, how long before we get to the horror movies? Yeah. Oh, uh, man. Right. Because whale is trying to tell him, you know, about his past, his upbringing in yes. England. They were very impoverished and it's, Family didn't treat him well, especially his father. Right. And he's going into all this, and Mr. K's just, like, not having it. I know. He wants to talk about Frankenstein. That's it. It's just like, I mean, this little shitbird, <laughs> you know? Uh, he's granted an interview with James Whale, you know? Yes. I mean, and he pulls this crap. I mean... And like you said, when James is talking about his upbringing, yeah. you know, his start in the English theater, 
like it's it's really fascinating stuff. And you, as an adult who likes hearing interesting stories, um, <laughs> you know, you want more of it. <laughs> right. Uh, but all this guy cares about are the most surface level details of the universal exactly. monster movies. Right. Yeah. You know? And and look, I, what comes next? <laughs> I, I know that James proposing the quid pro quo to Mr. K is seriously problematic stuff. Yes. Um, it's a wealthy man demanding essentially like sexual gratification from someone with no power. But because Mr. K was being such an impatient little turd about everything. Yeah. I, I feel less sympathy for him than I probably should. I do too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, it's a really entertaining scene. Also. It is. It's a great scene. Um, Jack Plotnick plays Edmund K, by yes. the way. I had to give him some credit because he's actually really great in this. Oh, he's the, a, yeah, he's really the character's good character's in intolerable, but like, he, it's a great performance. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, he says, I'll answer your questions, but every question you have to take off an article of clothing. <laughs> he makes him do strip. Strip interview, you know? Strip interview, man. It's, it's like... <laughs> and he abides. The guy goes for it, and yeah. like, you know, um, at one point, he, he's lighting a cigar. Obviously, there's a lot of symbolism yeah, with the cigar. right. And he's uh, saying that... At one point, he delivers this line about like, you know, uh, it's it's time for him to answer the question, and he got the cigar in his mouth, <laughs> and he goes, take off your shirt, and I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> with yeah. the cigar in his mouth. Yeah, it's a great... Because the camera even cuts to an angle... That we haven't seen yet uh -huh. in this scene. Yeah. So it's like completely out of place shot <laughs> that is just emphasizing this one line of dialogue. <laughs> right. um, I highlighted it here in my notes, Dave. Nice. Because when he says like, hey, let's play strip or whatever, Mr. K says, so the rumors are true that you were forced to retire because of a homosexual scandal. Right. Or because of a scandal. Or something like that. Because of a sexual scandal. A sexual scandal. And then Whale goes, you mean homosexual scandal. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's when he says, take off your shirt and I'll tell you all about it. Which is <laughs> so fucking predatory. Like, it is. It is. Like, completely. I think, like, okay, that's my one problem with Whale, though, is he okay. does have a lot of predatory uh, characteristics with Mr. K yes, and with, you know, Brendan Fraser's character, Clay. Yes. Um, I can let it slide a little bit because I actually, I don't know why I can let it slide. Maybe because I like Whale a lot in this and I like the performance. I know. And I know his motivations. He's a lonely guy. Right. He's uh, confused. He's going through sickness. The end of his life is coming. True. And he's lonely and has no one to share anything with. That's true. And he's getting letting these base instincts kind of take over and push him towards those things, even though it might be the wrong way to go about it. Boy, you know, well, what you brought up there about being lonely and um, not having an outlet, you know, for, yeah. for, for his, you know, what he's feeling. I mean, like, you know, it's, it's weird because for the last, for the last 23 years, I've lived very far away from my family um, and far away from where I grew up. And, I'm st but I'm still in the same country in the same hemisphere, you mm -hmm. know. Um, so I can I can go to where my family is, or I and I can be where my people, you know, come from and stuff. Yeah. James Whale now lives in sunny California, um, surrounded by a comfort and convenience, uh, which is about as different from turn of the century West Midlands of England as you can get. Yeah. Um, it's extreme culture shock. And even though I've seen this movie quite a few times, this was the first time I thought seriously about that aspect of his life. So it's interesting that you had the same yeah. know, thought. Yeah. Um, he's so far from home and, and all alone. 
Yeah. Um, cause like Southern California versus like where, where he came from. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like it's, it's a so different, different planet. And in 1957, it, it might as well be another planet. I know. You know, right. Trying to call home, write For, a letter will take you two weeks. I you know, know? Uh, that's exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he is so isolated and like, even like, um, David, it, the companion yes. he had with them, he's gone. Like, you know, right. he left to pursue the more career opportunities and right. stuff like that. Right. Even though I guess they do are in touch kind of, but not really. Yeah. They're kind of like, like on again, off yeah, again. Yeah. Like now. they might see each other, which yeah. they do later in the film. Um, but yeah, yeah, it sounds like it's nothing. They haven't fully committed to each other. They're just kind of like. I, I, he, yeah. he lived there for a long time. He did. But and then, did they break up? Was well, that what happened? See, that's the thing. It's like we, we can ne- we don't know like if they ever officially broke up. Right. But uh, David was working in New York um, on other projects, and yeah. so like they'd go a long time without seeing each other, and especially after James's stroke, then like David fully moved out. He he didn't live there anymore. Yeah. You know, I I, I don't know. It's so so it's. It's it's a weird thing where it was just kind of like uh, he he had half a companion essentially. Right. Yeah. So the loneliness is just compounded by this stuff, yes. and everyone he's surrounded with it's all fake. It's all gallantry, Hollywood bullshit. I know. You know. Right. Uh, and so that's when he when he starts talking to to Clay, he like finally has another outlet. Right. You know, it's like therapy for him. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, and. He first approaches Clay, uh, like when Clay is gardening. Um, yeah. He's mowing the lawn. It's like the next day or two yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, and he he asks him like it's it's kind of important for like later in the film. He goes, uh, "Your your tattoo, uh, you know, uh, can you? It says death before dishonor. What does it mean?" And Clay mm-hmm. says, uh, "Oh, well, that just means I was in the Marines." And he goes, "Ah, the Marines. Yes, of course." <laughs> um, he goes, "I take it you were in Korea." And Clay does a very strange expression. He just shrugs his shoulders. I don't know. If someone asks you, were you in the war, and mm-hmm. you shrug your shoulders, that can mean so many things. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, James Whale doesn't, like, pursue it any further. I didn't know what to think when I saw him do that. I was like, okay, what does that mean? Right. Like, do you just not want to talk about it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, what happened? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And James Whale is coming on real strong here, too. He's yeah. like, hey, you know... When you're done, you can hop in the pool if you want. You know, no one uses it anymore, really. But, you know, it's not, it's hot. You know, you cool off. Oh, I got another job to do after this, so... <laughs> no thanks, creeper. <laughs> yes. Like, no, I'm not getting in your pool. <laughs> I do appreciate the the whole aspect of Brendan Fraser from the get-go has been kind of suspect yeah. of, of what... James Whale's motivations are. Yes. Like, even from the get-go, he right. senses something. <laughs> um, it, okay, so you think that he's, like, uh, that, that Clay always knows that, that that James is, like, after him physically? Maybe maybe not, like, in, for the first thing here, uh-huh. but, like, he senses something's off, right. and this guy is, he's being a little too friendly to me. Okay. You know? Like, yeah. I don't know. He wants to be my friend. Maybe not get in my pants, but he right. wants to be my friend. Right. Yeah. It's weird because like as as the movie goes on, I started to feel I start to feel less and less that like I know that that he wouldn't deny being physically intimate with Clay. Mm-hmm. Um but I I think that it actually does get deeper for him like you said It about, evolves. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's the yeah. outlet that he needed um because like 
we mentioned his stroke. The whole point of like the whole point of the movie really is is the after effects of his stroke. Yeah. And you know what what it can do to someone to to any person who who suffers a debilitating you know brain injury like this. You know what what like everyday life is for you after that happens. I mean like you cease to be able to just perform everyday functions, you know, like things that are normal in, in your everyday life, you can't do them anymore. And if you're a creative person and you have so many interests, um, to, to not be able to do any of that anymore, um, is it's devastating. Right. Yeah, definitely is. Especially someone like him who's had success in the past and now he can't have it anymore. And to, to be successful in, in Hollywood, especially around that time, I mean, like, you know, in the, in truly like the golden age of Hollywood, I mean, he was on top Yeah. and now he, even though he's uh, well off and he, he has comfort and everything, um, he's living in obscurity somewhat. Uh, he can't even like engage in what he, what he, what he had filled his time with for the last 20 years after he left Hollywood, which was painting. Yeah. Um, uh, one one thing James Whale like one of his great pastimes was he he would he would repaint um, known masterpieces and he and mm-hmm. I mean I've I've seen some of the stuff they're in the movie like some of some of his paintings those are actually paintings that James Whale did. those were those were whales oh that's cool yeah <laughs> um that there there was that um, the still life um the, uh-huh. the, like Brendan when when Clay comes into his studio he's like looks at it and goes well I I know this painting and he's like well the the reason you know it is because um. It's, it's famous. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, and he would just recreate this stuff. It was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, when he invited him in, he invited him for tea. This is like the next day, right? Yes. And they're sitting there having tea and he tells him, well, no, I'm not famous for painting them, but I'm famous for making movies. And right. He gets out of them eventually. Like he made Frankenstein and stuff like that. So he goes, oh, you made all the Frankenstein movies? And he says, no, only the first two. The rest were done by hacks. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. That's um, great. It, it, that is awesome. Um, and we actually we should say that like uh, the, the ending of, of the, the thing with Mr. K, um, after he gets down to his uh, boxer shorts, yeah. um, that, that, that's that's when things you know go awry because like uh, like yeah. James starts talking about something and he can't finish his thought. He drops his cigar, yeah, and um, like it, it, the after effects of the stroke are are taking hold, um, right? Because what happens to his anytime he gets talking about something or starts thinking too hard, his mind wanders all over the place right. and he can't come back to where he's, what he's, what he's supposed to be talking about. Right. And, uh, and that's where we, we meet Hannah played yeah. by Lynn Redgrave. Yeah. His, his awesome <laughs> Hungarian maid. Yeah. Um, she comes running to the, to the pool house with, with, with his pills. Yep. And you know, like she sees Mr. K there in his, <laughs> in his undies and she is not having it. Yeah. You know, she she like isn't shocked that right. it's like that, right? But she's not happy, right? <laughs> she's like, not again no. is her her expression. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh come on, not again, Ugh, Jimmy. I know. Yeah. She, she says to him something like, "You've been out of you've been out of the hospital for two weeks and you're already chasing after boys." Yeah. You know, and it, and it's you know yep. he, he told the guy to go home, <laughs> but like I mean, and she's right. She's totally right. Yeah. You know, he is doing this. I mean, he's guilty of it. He yeah. is. He's guilty of it. One thing I'm glad, though, the movie doesn't shy away from, like, an elderly person still having a sex drive. I know. You know and exactly. still not afraid of it. Right. You know, and e- even if nothing comes of this, he's still 
having a, a fun flirtatious time with this, you know? <laughs> yes. You, like you don't the, see that. You're right. Yeah, the movie movies don't do that very often. No. Um anytime that they they've ever like shown uh senior citizens with with a healthy sex life, it's always played for laughs. You know, yeah. this yeah. is more or less like, you know, oh no, this guy, he, he still wants to do stuff. Right. You know? Not only is he, is he elderly, but he's like sick and you know, like his mind is going and he's right. still after trying to do stuff, Ugh, man, you know? And sadly that's when he's, he tends to like lose his mind more is when he's pursuing these kinds of thoughts Yes, or remembering the romances of his past and right. things like that. That it makes his mind even go further, which it's real tragic, really. That, it is that that's what happens when he relives these great memories, or is trying to pursue some new ones. Right. Oh man, I know. Um, yeah, and and his the whole thing, the arrangement he makes with Clay when he invites him in for the iced tea <laughs> is uh, essentially that, like you know, because Clay looks around and sees all the paintings, and you know, James says, "Listen, uh, you you have." He says he says he has a the most architectural skull. <laughs> Yes, you have the most marvelous head. Yeah, you know, and he he also says architectural skull. Like, right. he, he, like what is this? What? <laughs> it's quite funny when he says that. Actually, because it's not what you expect him to say. You it, you kind of expect him to do some kind of pickup line, right? But not that. I mean, <laughs> like, that that's serious stuff. If someone yeah. told me I had an architectural skull and that they would pay for the privilege of drawing it, I'd be like. Uh, well, I'm intrigued, you know, yes. uh, I mean, you, you really think this highly of me, yep. you know? Yeah. Um, and he also, uh, it was a favorite, favorite touch of mine. Um, this happened in witness. Um, remember when, uh, when Harrison Ford, uh, takes the, the glass of lemonade from Kelly McGillis uh-huh. and downs it in one go. Oh yeah. Uh, that happens in this movie. It does, man. Uh, Brendan Fraser like takes the iced tea and like Ian McKellen can barely contain his arousal. Oh my God. I know, dude. Like, <laughs> He just chugs that thing, it's awesome. and you see every gulp in detail. Exactly, all, all the sinews of his, of <laughs> yep. his muscular neck. Because he has his shirt off, yes. right? <laughs> I think he's just in his in his like undershirt at this point. Because, oh, okay, like, okay, yeah. he, yes, he's he's still clothed right. at this point. Right, <laughs> but yeah, oh man, and he's Brendan Fraser's like, well, there's because there's a painting of a nude man, yes. like prominently in frame. <laughs> Like you can't, it's there on purpose, it's right? Half the shot, yeah, it's know? half the frame. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Well, you're not going to draw me in my birthday suit, are you?" <laughs> it's a legit question. Yeah, it's true. You know, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And do you remember uh, uh, James Whale's response? No, I don't. I don't think so. Just, I assure you, I have no interest in your body, Mister Boone. Oh, oh bullshit! Bull. I mean, holy crap, dude! <laughs> uh, and I, I found. I, I think I, I know that that's an actual James Whale painting. I think it's a self-portrait. Really? Yeah. Like from the mirror, like looking in a mirror. I, I guess he must. Man, yeah, he must have painted it while looking in the mirror. That's quite. That's talent, right it is. there. Yeah, the, the guy. He, the paintings it, are great. Exactly, because it, it wasn't all just like um, copies of like Monet's. He also did original stuff like that. Yeah. And it's and it's like you know it's really well done. Man, I wish I could draw or paint like that. Like there's, I can't even get close to that. I dabbled in like drawing, and I can draw, but I I can only do copies. Okay. I, if you ask me to like you know draw your kitchen, I, I it wouldn't it just wouldn't come out right. Okay. But if someone else drew it, I could copy their drawing. Really? You know. And but that's as far as my talent goes. So you could copy that self-portrait of James Whale. Yes, dong and all. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 yes, I, I could draw quite a dong. 
Yes. <laughs> hard pricks. <laughs> yes. Hard, arrogant pricks, he mentions. There's some good lines later in the movie, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he agrees to get drawn. He's going to be paid for right. it, too, so, you know. Because he could use the money. I mean, who couldn't? Yeah, yeah. So he comes over to get drawn, and Hannah's mad because <laughs> she knows he's just trying to have sex with boys again. Yes. But she's also just like, I mean, it's 1957 and she's exactly. from the old world. I mean, this is not, you know, she doesn't understand that kind of exactly. decadence. But yeah. when she brings him down to the pool house, you know, to, to it's, it's James Whale's studio. She says to something about like, he looks plenty big. Yeah. You know, whoa. Jeez. <laughs> oh, he chooses his words very carefully in this film. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, he so looks funny. plenty big. He looks plenty big. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. He asked him to take off his shirt because it's it's not right. Like, the collar's yeah. not right. It's going to mess him up right. during the drawing. And the light is probably going to be, like, all wrong because it's a white button-up shirt. Yeah, right. So he's got some logic there, yeah. but it's all bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> really. he wants to see this guy with his shirt off. He's like, ooh, I got a good excuse uh-huh. for lighting. Exactly, yes. yes. So he, he takes it off, and he's very uncomfortable about it, you know? <laughs> right. And James Whale just keeps teasing him about his girlish shyness and stuff. It's great. I mean, but I'm like, dude, he doesn't need to take his shirt off. Does he, doesn't. he really? No. He doesn't. Imagine just like in any scenario where, where whether someone's painting your picture or not, if they just ask you to take your shirt off, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, on our next podcast, Dave, be prepared. Shirtless. And yeah, better it, audio quality, you know, <laughs> um, and they start talking. Yep. Because as soon as he starts drawing, he just starts blabbing about his life, yes. you know? Like, this is why I called it therapy for him. Right. Because he, he's as he's drawing the portrait, which we don't see the portraits while he's doing it, nope. you know? We don't see anything. It's just them talking. Um, and sometimes there's really cool shots of, like, a real close-up of Ian McKellen's face, like, in the foreground. Yes. And then, like, a focused distant shot of brendan fraser in the background like yes. it's really cool it reminded me of citizen kane yeah it's very citizen kane you know um and, and it's i i don't know why more filmmakers don't use this kind of deep focus photography when you're in a two shot yeah um because you're right it, it jumps out at you like you, you notice it really prominently you know and it i think it really expresses the intimacy of the scene absolutely like you you were so close to his face and brendan fraser's muscly naked chest is right <laughs> yes. there next to it right you know it's in the distance but in the frame it's right next to it you yes know? it's exactly. like his face is on his body it's very expressive you're yeah. right i mean there, there there's no it's not subtle what they're getting at here um and and that's what makes it great is that is that they're they're using like that that format of the the really because like ian mckellen's head is bigger in the shot than brendan fraser's full body right you know, so it's almost like you're looking at a big talking statue um, next to a smaller statue in the in the in the background. It's beautiful. It is. It's really well it's composed. A great shot. Dude. Yes. Um. But yeah, he's talking about his past. He said he says something about how he has phantom smells, right? Right. And he starts smelling drippings. So uh, he <sighs> says, "Yeah, all the poor people ate drippings in England." You right. know, and Brendan Fraser's like, "Did you eat drippings?" And it kind of pisses him off. Because how dare you suggest I was poor, right? Yes. And then he admits, he's like, yes, we ate drippings all the time, you know? Understanding class. 
at the time he was growing up, I mean, like in Victorian times, I mean, like, yeah, it's like, if you were poor, that's it. You're poor. Right. And that's all you'll ever be. Mm-hmm. And if anyone ever, like, you know, if you ever thought that you could, like, rise above this, someone was there to tell you you can't. Yeah. Um, and he says that that person to him was his father. Yes. Because he didn't fit in with anyone there. He had imagination and joy, which wasn't allowed, you know, where we were. Wow. They took him out of school when he was 14 to put him in a factory. Yep. You know, because that's his place, you know? Yes. Um, yeah, it's awful. And he resents his father for this. Right. Um, he and, and it's weird because, like, when he rejects his father, he kind of rejects his whole family. I mean, like, mm-hmm. we, we see in other flashbacks how he had a mother and, and siblings. And, you know, for him to, to end up where he was, I mean, he had I know that he had to leave all that behind just to, to go go out in the world. Right. But like he has cut himself off entirely from from all of that because it's just not part of who he is anymore. Right. And like at one point he his mother, I, I think his mother understands Jimmy better than his father does because yeah. when she tells him to go clean the privy, um, he gets up and he says, he says, quite so mom to the privy. And he kind of like <laughs> does this little affectation. Yeah. And she's like, who are you to put on airs boy? And then she looks down at his drawings and sees, Oh my God, this kid actually is real. What a great artist he is. Right. And she's never like encountered anybody with talent in her family. <laughs> exactly. And you know, so yeah, it, it's, I, I'm glad to see that he at least had a little bit of love from his parents that way. Right. Yeah. And I think breaking away probably was was best for him, you yes. know, like, um, I think that's something more people should do in their lives. Like if you're being held down by something, let go of it. I, it's hard to do. I know it is. It is. But if you really want to fly, you know, right. You got to do it. And, and you don't owe anyone your life. You know, it's, no. it, and like you said, it's really hard to do because like, you're always thinking about what it's going to be like for the other person, the other people, like when you're not a part of it, but yeah. you know, ultimately they will be better off too. If, if they're not holding you back and your life can take the, the, the direction it needs to go. Yeah. So this, this all comes out of him right. while he's drawing and he's getting really emotional about it. Yeah. And even saying like, I don't know why i'm telling you this i don't know right i just am i've never heard dialogue that's this accurate in terms of like portraying rambling yeah you know like like someone just starting to tell a story that's not really going anywhere but there's still a lot of like value hidden in there Mm -hmm. in places where you'd i would want i would sit and listen to james whale tell me his life story of course i would you know he's lived a really fascinating you know, yeah, obviously. You're not going to chime in and say, can we talk about the monsters now? Oh my God. I, I, I just, man, you know what? <laughs> Mr. K. Mr. K. You, man, I would have chucked his ass in the pool. Undies and all, man. <laughs> right. So after, that's the end of this scene, really. And yes. um, um, Clay had brought in like a TV guide saying, hey, they're going to show your movie on tonight right, and stuff right. like that. So like later after this, we see... I love this scene. He's at the bar that I, he, his regular bar, he goes yeah. to all the time when he has a relationship with the waitress. That's right. kind of an on again, off again, hate you, love you kind <laughs> yes. of thing. It's Lolita Davidovich. Yes, Betty. it is. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And she's really good. Right. Um, he tells the guy who owns the bar, like, Hey, turn the movie on. We're going to watch the damn movie. Right. <laughs> right. And there's like five or six people there. 
and they turn on Bride of Frankenstein. They all start watching it. And right. like everyone's saying how corny it is and stuff, but Clay doesn't think that at all. He thinks everyone else is an idiot too. Like, <laughs> no, this is great. What are you talking about? It's right. Corny. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's weird because like Betty and the other guys at the bar are like the 1950s version of like ironic hipsters. Yeah. Um, you know, and even though something like Bride of Frankenstein should be exactly what they're all about, you know, if, yeah. if they actually have this identity, but they can't see past what's aged about the movie. And um, and they have a shitty attitude about it. Yeah. Clay, like you said, he kind of sees the humor in it. And he's also moved by the overall poetry of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like he's actually getting exactly kind of what what James Whale was was going for. Right. And and then we flash over to uh, James Whale's place and turns out he's watching the movie also with Hannah. Yep. And it's funny because Hannah's reacting to it in like the most basic way imaginable. <laughs> like she's scared of it. It's not my teacup. Exactly. (laughs) And she certainly doesn't find it funny. I'm sorry, JB. Your movie is not my teacup. Your money is not. (laughs) Your movie is not my teacup. That's a great line. Uh, And then James, of course, he knows exactly what he was after. And he's, he made the film and he knows every frame of it. So he's just like enjoying his wit. Yep. And um, he's able to sit there decades later and, you know, you know, like revel in all the in jokes and craftsmanship. Yep. And they, get, uh, they have a flashback here, too, of yeah. him actually producing the movie. Man, this, even though the scene of them shooting Bride of Frankenstein is only about five minutes long, it's a real set piece. Yeah. You know, uh, because we're, you're so familiar with the original movie. And here we are seeing those sets and actors and costumes in color, you know. Yep. Um, I'm a total sucker for behind the scenes Hollywood stuff, as I know you are as yep. well. Uh, so this is right where you want to be. Um, <laughs> and, and I love to see... I love to see James at his like professional and creative peak as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he, he's at his best in this moment, you know, cause it's like, it's 1935 and he's on top of the world. Yeah. You know, he's making the sequel to like the number one movie, yes. you know, right. And, which many say is superior to that one. Even exactly. You, know? you get to see this historical moment go down when the bride <laughs> finally awakens and oh, looks around man. the room it's and so cool. you see it from like a long crane shot, like a far, far away shot yeah you know and you're like wow that's that's what it looked like standing there but that's not what it looks like on the screen man. i know it looks marvelous on the screen <laughs> right right but it's really cool to see them actually producing it and you know he he's he's so locked in when when, when he he takes his he's got a cigarette holder and he's, yeah. and he's dressed in like the finest clothes he's dressed amazingly throughout yeah. this whole movie well as tailored you know like uh he even has tailored pajamas, oh we God. find out. Can you imagine <laughs> tailored pajamas? I mean, it's just like, what kind of lifestyle? It's just incredible. But like, uh, he, you know, when he calls action, he's so like, just intently watching oh my them. Gosh. I mean, it's, yeah. It's so cool. Like, um, and right before the flashback, we hear the line, the monster is lonely. He wants a friend. Yeah. And I mean, that's James Whale, I right? Mean, yes, of you course. Know? And I mean, and it's, and it's Clay. You know, I mean, the the parallels between Clay and the monster are... Well, yeah. It's probably the most obvious symbolism. They they even show it straight up in parts of the movie. Well, they also also swap roles, though, too. I know. He plays Dr. Frankenstein at one point, and Ian McKellen is the monster on the table. It's it's like... And I, I like that they do that, because like you... like. If, if it was just about, if the only parallel was, you know, a big hulking dude is, is 
Frankenstein's monster, and it's, it's like, well, that's not yeah. really any kind of symbolism. Right. I mean, like, We're just going to make him look like Frankenstein. Sure, exactly. Yeah, look at this guy with a square head, you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like right after this, there's a dream sequence, right? Yeah. And uh, James Whale is the monster. He's on the slab. He's dead, right. you know? And Brendan Fraser is playing Dr. Frankenstein, and he cuts open his head and puts in a new brain, <laughs> which is obviously a metaphor for their relationship and how he's helping James Whale through having these conversations and, right. and sitting for him for his art. Yes. Um, and so, like, this was James Whale's dream, right? And, like, it's so cool to see, like, Brendan Fraser, obviously, like, like kind of... Uh, going around this set he's he looks like he's having a great time yeah. playing colin clive essentially mm-hmm. he's like he's doing all the side almost like uh like those those old-time movie mannerisms and yeah um, he's looking at the tesla coil and then like a, a there's a thunder yeah, clap and he right. looks up at it really there's the you sparks know, and exactly yes yeah, yeah it's really fun <laughs> really cool stuff yeah it's good um uh, I, yeah. I love these kind of sequences they throw in like the homages yeah. um I think I read somewhere that some people don't like them. Oh, really? Like they weren't, they didn't really like them. Well, I, I, I don't know what their reasoning was. I mean, did, did they give a reason why they? I guess I don't know. Maybe they thought they were like Oscar bait stuff. Oh, I don't really. I don't freaking know. But yeah, whoever said they were dumb sucks. <laughs> yes, I know because um, they're they're really entertaining and they're not even that long. I mean, it's like that that one that we just right, talked and they about. They have meaning to them exactly. They're, they're not just there for right, no reason. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, and they were actually very funny too. I mean, to, to watch like, yeah, I love watching Brendan a little Fraser. tongue in cheek. Exactly. Yeah. When, when he cuts, he just actually like <laughs> literally cuts Ian McKellen's head open. There's no blood or anything, but he takes out the brain and looks at it and weighs it. And like, yeah, it's just like, it's just like a Nerf ball he pulls out. You yes, know, that's all it right. is. It's, <laughs> it's really, it's like deliberately. It's a fake brain. Exactly. This is not, it, yeah, <sighs> man. I, I, if, if you can't enjoy this, I don't know what you're watching. Uh, yeah. I don't know. So the next day, Brendan Fraser comes back over for another drawing session. Yeah. And this time he's in the kitchen and he's waiting in the kitchen with Hannah. Yeah, because he's actually, he's been invited to lunch. Yeah. Um, he was like, he was actually, out, he was just uh, cutting the hedges and James comes out, or, or Hannah comes out and says, you know, the master would like you to join him for lunch, <laughs> you know? I love it how she calls him the master. I like, know. that's definitely like a little elbow for the old monster movies <laughs> yes, too, right? Of course. Because he even like, uh, he refers to her as comic maid at one point, <laughs> you know, like, because he's, it, it's great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he comes in for lunch and he's yes. hanging out and, Hannah's like getting upset about it because she knows he's going to go to hell because I'm assuming she's a Christian of some kind. She's a Catholic. Yeah, She's a hardcore Catholic man. Uh, I grew up in the family like that. Yeah. And yeah, he's going to die and go to hell and there's nothing we can do about it. And she's so sad. And, and she just, Oh God. And she's trying to make clay understand what she's talking about even though she suspects him of this activity as well. Yeah. And then she finally just comes out with it. She goes, what is the good English? Uh, all <laughs> yeah. I know is bugger. He's a bugger. Men oh. who bugger each other. <laughs> so, oh my God. <laughs> and, and Clayton is sitting there with his iced tea, like looking at her like, what are you saying lady? And, yes. You know, and it finally, he gets it. Okay. Yeah. It, it's, and his, uh, his friends at the bar had teased him earlier because he had come in there apparently like telling everybody, hey, this guy wants to paint my picture. Yeah. And, and he's a film director. And we're going to watch his movie. His name's James Whale. And when the movie had started, he like pointed at the screen. See, I told you, James Whale. I know this guy. Yeah. 
and they had like told him essentially that like, you know, this guy's uh, some old pervert and yeah. you know, he's all he cares about is your looks and they're not wrong. I mean, they're, they're kind of right. I mean, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but there's more to it. Exactly. Than that. Yes. They're, they're, they're oversimplifying. They're teasing them. Yes. You know? <laughs> um, but you know, he, he now knows the, the, the truth about Jimmy. Um, yeah. so he, so he has some thoughts about it. It's 1957. Um, and he goes in to, uh, have lunch with James and, mm-hmm. James is opening his mail, and one of the one of the things is an invitation to uh, uh, Princess Margaret's garden party at uh, George Cukor's at house. George Cukor's place. <laughs> you know, it's a pretty hot ticket. Yeah, dude. <laughs> um, so at this point, he asks Brendan Fraser, like, "Hey, do you want to sit for me now? I can draw you now. I'll pay you for, you know, the long work and for your time yeah. extra. You know." And he's like, "No, I don't. I don't really feel like sitting still today." Yeah. Um. And I think he's just kind of uncomfortable with the whole situation because I think the real thing is the dishonesty yes. that's been on display right. from James Whale. Right. He he seems it's like a weird balancing act that Clay has here. Like he's a little put off by the homosexuality. Yes. But he's also not against it. Right. Like he it's like I'm not gay, but you are and I don't care, that's fine. Right. But don't keep trying to get in my pants because I'm I don't want to. Yeah, he has a, a surprisingly progressive attitude about it in yeah. this moment. You in know? this moment. There's a moment later where he gets kind of uh a little more aggressive about it. Right. Yeah. Um and he eventually just does like kind of confront him about it. Um he asks him, you know, so have you ever been married, Mr. Whale? Yeah. And he's like, uh, well, uh, no, um, but I, I had a companion who lived here. Uh, my friend David lived here for years. And he says, uh, does this surprise you? Because I think James Whale understands that like this is Clay knows something. Yeah. So he just decides to come out with it. And he's kind of like uh, not playing with him, but he's like asked wants to wants to hear him say he wants to hear him ask the question. Right. So yeah. finally, he just says, uh, you know. Uh, does this surprise you about my companion? And, and uh, Clay says, uh, no, you're a, a homosexual. Yeah. And he's like, uh, well, if you must use the clinical term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Clay says, you haven't thought about me in that way, have you? <laughs> and he says, no, you're not my type. <laughs> and then they laugh. <laughs> and now, like, the, the tension has kind of broke, yeah. you know, and... Yeah. So he does go and sit for a drawing, you know, right. they, they continue this, but there's still more tension here because once again, it's another therapy session where yeah. all these intense memories are coming back out. And we've, we've seen the sequence where, um, we saw the, the making of Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. So we, we have it already in our heads. What, what life was like for James when he was, you know, at his best. Clay starts to ask him about his career um, well, Clay asks him, do you ever miss it? And yeah. he says, oh, no, no, it's been 20 years. You know, who cares? And then he stops and he says, making motion pictures is the most wonderful thing in the world. Working with friends and entertaining people. Yes, I suppose I do miss it. Um, yeah. And like, it's really sad. He says it literally like two seconds after he says he doesn't miss it. Yes. It's yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of like the dripping thing too, where yeah. he was like he 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 forcefully said one thing and then he came back like just you know like you said two seconds later and was like no this is actually and how he's it being is. honest yes which is great because he's been kind of deceitful with every interaction he's had with Clay and, yes 
and even with like Mr. K and I'm sure countless other people before this, he's hiding himself from I know. everyone. He's he always feels like the the need to impress. Yeah. Um. Because even when Mr. Remember when Mr. K first came over, when when Hannah was bringing him in, uh, James like yep. staged a, a dignified book. You know. Yeah. P- he sits down on the couch real quick and grabs this like book uh, like he's reading. Yes. And he's like, oh, I didn't know you were here. Oh you know, man, of it's- course. What a phony. <laughs> exactly. It's really fucked up. You ever done that? You're like, don't know what to do. People are coming over. You're like, what do I do? You're kind of like standing. No, right. I just feel sit. No, I don't know what to do. And, <laughs> it's like, look in the fridge. <laughs> and and it, it's messed up and awkward, yeah. but like, it's honest. Yeah. You know, like if, if I, if I came over to your house and you were sitting there like in a, in like a, a smoking jacket with a yeah, pipe, yeah, yeah. uh, like pretending to, to, you know, read war and peace or something like that. I'm like, something's up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that would be wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then he starts talking about how the, this house used to be filled with people yeah. and parties and stuff. And he was surrounded by friends and love. And it's showing outside outside of this little like hut that he's in. where he, pool house. It's pool house. That's his studio right. where he draws. It's the pool. And you see a flashback of every all these guys out there eventually. <laughs> And it's like showing what it was like. It uh-huh. used to be like. And you just see so many dudes out there. Right. And Brendan Fraser is like, he's still sitting there. You know, he's not seeing it because it's kind of a memory. Right. But um, he's getting uncomfortable hearing about all these dudes and stuff. And then they kind of yell at each other. And <laughs> James Whale really pushes hard on purpose. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make this guy angry right. on purpose because I know he's uncomfortable with me telling him about some of this in-depth detail. <laughs> I'm just going to make it worse. So he starts t- telling him how, how there were all these buttocks and all these pricks around, hard pricks. And Boone gets so mad and he walks out. He's like, you don't have to rub my face in it. <laughs> and he leaves and he goes... And he picks up a chick at the bar and he bangs her. Yeah. Like he's Ennis Del Mar trying not <laughs> know, to be gay. No. He completely overcompensates. I mean, yeah. like it's just and I mean he's there to see Betty, but like, yeah, he he's just there to like work out whatever his whatever was yeah. just in his, you know. <laughs> and I mean, like, look, if someone told me those kinds of stories, I'd probably, you know, I I, I would sit there and listen because I'm I'm a uh, a sophisticated, I guess, yes. man in 2023. Adult. Exactly. Yes. I, I understand that like in 1957, it was a little different. Yes. But like, true. it's, it's just, it's also just an old guy reminiscing about his life. And I mean, there is never a reason to like, you know, storm out and say, and, and, and say homophobic things. Yeah. And you know, like what, no matter what year it is. Right. Just act like an adult, you know? Right. But we find out Boone, Clay Boone isn't really an adult. Well, he's, he's not. He's a big kid, is That's, what uh, he's told by Betty. Yeah, Betty tells him he's a big, fun kid. Uh, <laughs> You're not marriage material. Oh, man, yeah. that's rough. <laughs> You're not marriage material, she tells him, which is just like, I mean, it cuts pretty deep, but like, she's right. She's totally moment, right. Yeah, yeah. And then she's, and then he gets mad at her. He's like, oh, so we're not going to have sex then. She's like, really? That's all you got out of our conversation? Right. I'm glad that we're done. Exactly. She yeah. storms away, and, <laughs> yeah. and then she's like, and he's like, "Oh, Betty, come on!" And he's like chasing her down the street. Yeah. It's like, "Oh, you're so pathetic, freaking idiot." Exactly. <laughs> he is. He's a big man child. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah. So. And I mean, like, I, he he had he had told 
Mr. K during his interview, uh, James had told Mr. K during their, their interview about like, you know, the kind of parties that were, that George Cuker was having too. Yeah. armies of trade. He said would, would be, you know, all <laughs> yes. over the place. <laughs> and, uh, and like to, to, to when James looks out the window and you, you just see like after clay storms out and the, and the one dude comes up to the door and goes, Hey Jimmy, Hey, watch me dive. And yeah. like, James Whale's face just lights up and he's looking out there and like you said, all those naked dudes, you know, like, yeah, it's 1934 again and it's a nighttime swim party. He's reliving Um, this memory. And I mean, like it, obviously he had a pretty good time of it, you know, I mean, whatever you want, every sexual desire fulfilled. You know, uh, yeah, that was a real Bacchanal. Right <laughs> exactly, there, exactly. I, I'd probably reminisce like that too. Oh yeah. If, if I had even one night of my life that was like that, it's the old Hollywood Babylon tales you hear. You Absolutely, know? It's just right, just debauchery. Yep, left to right. Yep, it, it, exactly what you always thought they were getting up to. They just filmed it in this movie <laughs> and showed you. No, yeah, that, right, yeah, it was right. You know, I love it too. He's like, watch me dive. <laughs> It's such like a little kid thing it to is, say. Exactly. Exactly. This big muscle man. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> but we the next day, I they they get together again. Yeah. You know, because they I guess they like the relationship they have, even though it's gotten kind of tense. Right. Clay comes back kind of hat in hand and just says, you know, look, look, I, I you know, I want to sit for you again. Just ease up on the locker room talk, he yeah. says. <laughs> um and then, you know, he you know, James asks him, Okay, so really, why are you here? He goes, Well, I don't know. I guess I like your stories. And I, I think he's telling the truth. Other I than think so too. Yeah, he he wants to hear more about Hollywood history and, and also, you know, everything else I mean, that he's been he's through. He's lost and lonely too, just like yes, James Whale. Of course. You know, so they have something here that's reciprocal. Yes. You know, they're fulfilling needs that each other are missing. That's absolutely right. They they both need what the other one gives them. Yep. Um and this is when uh Jimmy uh, really starts to to go down to a dark place um, because he starts. We find out that he's a World War One veteran. Yeah, um, and he had a terrible time of it, just like everybody else there did. Yep. Uh, so he grows up in extreme poverty, and uh, his reward for this is to be drafted and sent to uh, you know the trenches. Exactly. Man. Yeah, and while he's there, he meets another man. Then yep. they fall in love. Barnard. And uh, he tells Clay that this this was the love of his life. Right. He never even told David about this guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, why am I telling you? I never even told David about <laughs> it, yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. Right. Yeah. It's it's major. It's it's a huge breakthrough. Yes. In on this therapy couch they got here. Exactly. Like, this accidental uh therapy session. Yeah. And um we find out that he died in the trench, like, and he flies into a barbed wire fence, and he's hanging there dead for the rest of the war. And they have to watch, see him every day. And they start joking around about his body, like, "Oh, hey, how you doing?" You know. Yes, they say good morning to him. Yeah, right. Oh, and imagine the trauma that James Whale went through from that. And he has to like kind of he, he doesn't want any other guys in, in the outfit of course to know about their relationship so he has to kind of play along and and you know kind of joke about oh yeah they're they're you know there's there's private barnard again yeah um they and, salute him and stuff yes like, as a joke and inside he's just dying you know yeah. because not only is he taking the death of a, of a comrade badly but it's a man he actually loved yeah and he has to like you know stare at this guy's dead body for the rest of the war Ugh. My gosh, yeah. I can't even imagine that. It's that is the worst punishment. Tragic, yes. 
no wonder he wants to die. Absolutely. Yes. He has his past. He just can't outrun it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always there. And like, I mean, that that's part of everybody's life. But when you, when you have something traumatic happen to you and, and you just can't shake it and it happened to you like every day of your life for like the first 20 years of life. I mean, yeah. You Ooh. know, I, I, I can't imagine what it's like. Yeah. And James Whale gets really kind of upset with all this stuff he's talking about. And he tells Clay like, Hey, I don't want you to sit for me any anymore. Like we're, this is done. We're right. done because he can't take this. Like, the therapy that's happening, it's it's very challenging. And he's he hasn't talked about this guy in probably fifty years. You know? I know. Um yeah, since the war. I mean it's been yeah. it's been forty years since the war ended, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Ian McKellen gets up in Brendan Fraser's face yes. and is physically intimidating him. Mm-hmm. Like this big hulking guy, six foot three, broad shoulders, Brendan Fraser, is like kind of like uh you know, gingerly um, trying to dodge, you know, Ian McKellen all up in his face. Yeah. And the camera like gets really close to him and he's like leaning into the camera. Like, and we're kind of over Brendan Fraser's shoulder a little bit. Right. And he's really in your face. It's, it's, and it's whatever he's doing with his, uh, his facial expressions and his like fists and stuff. Like, (laughs) it's really off putting. Right. (laughs) <laughs> and, and because he had just been told also that he'd been an officer in the trenches, it's like, oh, yeah. on top of this. I mean, like, so he's all he's this close to me and he's being a, in a very threatening manner. And he's actually seen some stuff. So I might actually be in danger here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And they both kind of like yell at each other. Like, yes. why are you they they yell at each other? What do you want? Right. That's what uh, Ian McKellen says at first. Like, what do you want? Why are you here? Yeah, what, what do you want? Why are you here? And then Brendan you know, Fraser's right. like, well, fuck you. Like, yeah. what do you want? Yes. Why do you want me here? And it's totally fair yeah. when he comes back at him. Yeah, like, what do you want? You know, It is. And I thought it was a great exchange. Right. And they don't really go into what they want because we know what they want. Yes. We've, we can see it from what's on the screen. You right. Know? They are helping each other grow and work through their own issues. Mm-hmm. So it, that's a great scene. It's one of my favorites in the movie. Actually, I think it probably is my. I think it might be my favorite scene in the movie. Is, yeah. is that one? Because um, I just I think that they're both really like the talent of both actors is really on display here, and it's also I just think the the richest part of of James Whale's characterization. I mean, everything he's been through, we 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 now know exactly what he's about. Yeah, and I do like how it it's another scene that escalates into a confrontation, but the last one ended with like. A storm out, yes. you know, this, they resolve it. Yeah. And then they even decide like, hey, I'll go to that party with you. Right, you know? <laughs> right. Which is just like, uh, yeah. man, it's it's a, a, a garden party at George Cukor's house <laughs> um, in which the Princess Margaret is there to like, uh, I guess, honor everyone in Hollywood who originated in the UK. Okay, uh, I, I didn't know what, what this party was for. Okay, I was yeah, just like, did yeah. he get married to no, the princess? Uh, no, like, I no. have no clue what's going on no, here. No, it's just like <laughs> Princess Margaret was like, well, okay, so in the royal family, like everyone has jobs. You right, know, you yeah. You just have to go and do tours. You're assigned exactly. to do this and yes, that. Yep. right. Well, this was her assignment. Like that week, she had to be in California. She's the princess of Pasadena. Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yep. Um 
it, it's and I, my wife and I watched The Crown on Netflix. Uh-huh. Uh, so like this character of Princess Margaret is played by Vanessa Kirby in in that show. Oh, really? Um, okay. At least in the fifties. When they get when it gets in the seventies, it's now Helena Bonham Carter. Okay. Uh, so yeah, really cool stuff. <laughs> um, I I love when uh, they're meeting the princess and George Cukor's there. Yes, and. Ian McKellen introduces Brendan Fraser and he's like, well, he's never met a princess before. Only Queens. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yet again, making an underhanded like gay joke right. just to make everyone uncomfortable. And he's doing it's it. It's so like, funny, dude. He's fucking with George Cukor. Oh yeah. You know, totally is. Um, and it's, it's great <laughs> because like, he knows the princess doesn't get the joke. Yeah. Right. Um, but like, you know, he, he wants to like, make sure that like George Cukor knows, Hey, I know what you were getting up to and don't act like, you know, you're yep. standing here like pretending to be something you're not. It's, I think it's the funniest moment in the movie. It's I great. fucking loved it. Yes. It was great because also he's like sticking it to him a little yeah, bit because he's already said how he hates these people. Yep. So he's here just being himself and trying to ruin their day a little bit, you know, <laughs> like, which is kind of how he's been with every other character in the movie. Like, oh, yeah. it's just how he is. Right. And now at this party, <laughs> that that's all he wants to do. You oh, because this party is important. Sure. Apparently. And he he knows like from from being a, a poor person that like uh the idea that he's at a fancy party like this is uh totally foreign to him, or at least it would have been when he was a kid. Yeah. But now that he oh, so now I'm I'm a great artist and I, I've got money, so that means I'm you'll have me now, you know? Yeah. Fuck you. Now I'm a person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's yeah exactly uh yeah it really is and um did you did you happen to notice who played George Cukor no who was it the actor's name is Martin Ferrero uh you might remember him from a little picture called Jurassic Park okay he's the lawyer who gets devoured yeah. off the toilet right by yeah. the T Rex that's I, awesome yeah pretty cool so I guess he didn't die <laughs> <laughs> that's, true. that's cool uh huh um <laughs> so. They're at the party, right? Kind of just schmoozing around a little bit, like you have to. And he sees David, yeah, who has been in New York working with Liz Taylor, apparently. Yep, (laughs) she's at the party, right? And um, it's it's a funny scene because (laughs) Ian McKellen is looking at David, and Brendan Fraser's looking at Liz Taylor, right? Like they're both like (laughs) drooling. Of course, (laughs) of course, that 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 really makes sense. It's really funny. And, you know, like, James thinks that David got him the invitation to this party. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just, that, that's the logical assumption. Right. You know, um, and David tells him he did not. And David saw the exchange with George Cukor that we found so funny. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he's also watched James, you know, probably hobnob, like, like going around to other people at the Just at the causing party. trouble with exactly. everyone. Exactly, and making yeah. mischief. Yeah. And he's pissed off at James for doing this <laughs> because he says that, you know, like uh, like James tells him, look, I have I have total freedom. I don't care. I, I'm set. I got my money. And David's like, well, some of us don't, and we have to work here. So, you know, yeah. watch yourself. And I... It's a smart line, I think. It is. Just and I mean, like, because he, he's... Obviously, David doesn't want anyone to know, like, his... Who he really is. Yeah. Um, right. he's also, it's 1957. Um, he's probably afraid of being blacklisted, you know, because I mean, people yeah. were, people were taken out for right, just, cause he's prominent in the industry still. Absolutely, he's making yes. hits after hit. Exactly. James Wales, for lack of a better term, washed up. Exactly. You know? Yeah. He's not part of the industry anymore. Right. So who gives a crap? Right. 
Um, so yeah, David has a right to like, you know, kind of tell James to cool it a little bit, you know? Right. Um, and I mean, like if James Whale just did this and, and it was just like this, this wealthy guy going about the party, you know, making, you know, making people uncomfortable, that'd be one thing, but like, they know that he's associated with David. So like David is going to like catch some, some flack for this. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. There's going to be some kind of rumors going around. Yes. And yeah, you, at that time you'll get on the blacklist for sure. Yes. Yeah. So, um, um, James Whale is there and he hears someone calling out to him and this person runs up to him and it's Mr. K from the beginning of the movie. Yep. He's there. And apparently he was the guy who got him on the guest list, man, because he loves his monsters <laughs> <laughs> and he sees him there and, and Elsa's there. Boris is there and they get them all together for a photo op. Right. And this is just like Mr. K's wet dream right here. Like, Absolutely. This is, this is what he wants. Yes. This is all he cares so, about. And everyone's there and they're, they're like, yeah, okay, we're together, you know, you know and they, no one seems to really care. Well, Elsa Lanchester is pissed, is a little bit like, you know, like when they post for the picture, she like out of the side of her mouth goes, don't you just love being famous? Yeah. You know? But I don't think she meant that, right? Was she being sarcastic? Oh, I think she's being sarcastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I Oh, read. so you, that's how you, okay, I'm sorry. Like yeah. she, she was fed up with the whole thing too. Okay, she's yes. like, I'm fucking tired of yes. this. Just like James is. I misunderstood when you said and, that you that I didn't care. Yeah. Well, yeah, like that's what I meant. Like they didn't care for this situation. Yes. Yeah. Boris Karloff is just spaced out. Man, that guy, point. yeah, he's yeah. he's like he's like making kissy faces at his grandniece or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. <laughs> so they're all getting pictures and the camera flash is reminding um uh James. James, excuse me, of like the muzzle flashes from the right. war and it, it's triggering him. Right. And it's bringing on another episode kind of and at that time, nobody knew anything about post-traumatic stress of any kind. I mean, like, everybody no. was just walking around and dealing with it, and no one was, you know, able to get any therapy for it. Yep. So he's, like, had a stroke and is dealing with that, and he's being insulted professionally, and he's um, just alienated all of his former colleagues, and, um, yeah, yep. it's, it's a bad time. Yep. And uh, it starts to rain, like an old monster movie, yep. pretty much. Yep. Like the thunder cracks, I know, and, then, right. and then it pours down. <laughs> Later in the movie, when some rain starts, you can actually see it like coming from a sprinkler Dude, almost. Like oh the angle, God. I'm like, that's a sprinkler. You I can have it, tell. I have it in my notes. I mean, like, yeah. like that one, movie magic calling attention to itself. Yeah. Like um, that rain machine activates, and the way that shot is framed, I I think it is intentional. Okay. Um, like you have clay on the left. I and think then the, so too. The whole right side of the screen is the night sky lit by a street lamp, and then when the rain blows in, you can really tell it's not falling from the sky. No, it's an angle. It is. It's like <laughs> deliberately artificial. Yeah. Um, which of course, I mean, that symbolizes a lot of what what this movie's trying to say. Exactly. You know? Wow. Yeah. Really does. Yes. I didn't. I didn't think of it that far, but right. yeah, that it's it's just like the flashback scenes or mm-hmm. when they're recreating the scenes when they're the monster or the scientist. Yes. Like it's just like that, just slightly different, right? Because like even the World War One sequences, I mean, like when when you see Jimmy's flashbacks, it's like I, I look at them and I th- I think that why aren't they why aren't they grittier? You know. Yeah, uh, they look like, like all quiet on the Western Front. Exactly. There's it's bloodless and it looks like kind of like. 
like a theatrical production, yeah. which I guess maybe that is the intention because that's the way he remembers it in his mind. I mean, he was, he's a creative person and like in his head, like the trauma and the, and the, the, the dirt and mud of it is, is like, because he was in love with Barnard, it's all, he somehow made it palatable for himself that yeah. way. So we're seeing into his mind rather than actually what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So they got, everyone flees the party with the storm and, um, Clay and Jimmy are standing under an umbrella and James Whale is like grabbing his head and he, he says like the monsters are in here. Yes. For some reason he says that like pointing into his own mind. Right. And I mean, they, they are like, yes, they're living course. in your memory. Not like Frankenstein, but your, your friend dead in the war. Yes. Like everything that's happened to you. All your the upbringing. It's life. just, yeah. those are the monsters. Yes. Um, so they go back to the house, right? And they're soaking wet. Jimmy's going to change his clothes. Or, you know, Jimmy changes clothes, but then Clay has to change clothes. Right. But Jimmy doesn't have any clothes for him. <laughs> <laughs> he's just in a towel. <laughs> he able, he's able to produce... This is when we find out about his tailored pajamas. Yes, Because, right. like, like, Clay's like, well, do you have any, like, uh, baggy shorts or pajama bottoms? Like, oh, I'm afraid all my pajamas are tailored. It's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, fine. Come on, uh, old man. Exactly. Come on. Um, but he finally finds this, like, uh, this, this big sweater. He goes, well, this obvious, this, this is swimming on, on me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so he throws it to him. He puts it on. And then he asks Clay if he'd be okay with like, until his clothes are dry, you know, could he just wear that towel? It's, it's hardly more modest than a kilt, he says, <laughs> which I guess is true, but it's also <laughs> just like, you're going to try and upskirt this guy, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, right. It's it's just a bath towel wrapped yes, around yes, him. Yes, yes. And on Brendan Fraser, there's not much slack around that. I know. It's, you know I'm the, sure his that, waist is a trunk. Because James Whale's <laughs> towels are probably also tailored. He's got a little hand towel to cover him up. <laughs> yes, He's exactly. so skinny. No, He's a little... I mean, like, Brendan Fraser is a big dude. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, really obvious in this scene, too, because, like, they're staying there. And when they whenever they put the two actors together, you can really tell the size difference. Yeah. And, like... It's, and that's important because obviously the, the scene that we alluded to earlier where James is actually able to physically intimidate this yeah. guy. I mean, you can really see it here, too. Yeah. And like at the end of this scene, he he puts James well to bed like yeah. and take, helps him take his shirt off because he can't even he's not even capable of that. Oh, yeah. The after at, in the end of the movie, and he yeah. takes the, the shirt off and you just see how skinny and frail he is. Right. Like it just amplifies their difference. Yes. Um, yes. And it's kind of sad, actually, like just to see he's. I guess he's always been skinny, but it just seems like that's sad. He's, he looks like he's going to die. You I know. know. He looks gaunt. Yeah. Um, which is weird because it's like, it's it's Ian McKellen's real physique at the time. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, he's, I mean, obviously he's in good shape, but it's like, right. he is a, he's a, his chest is sunken in yeah. and he's a frail old man. At least that's what he looks like in this movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but before that, right. Um, Brendan Fraser is walking around in his quote unquote kilt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and they go into the study and they're hanging out and they're kind of a little drunk, right? Yeah, because they had dinner they together. Had, like they, they had beers at the party and everything. Yeah. And, yeah. and then they decided to have some like, yeah, that's right. Because, yeah, they both had a lot to drink. They uh, did, yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> James Whale is just taking these martinis. Yes. Uh, like as, as a waiter walks by with a tray, just getting these martinis. He goes, oh, I say. <laughs> and he grabs another one, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. And he asks 
he asked Clay, like, do you believe in mercy killing? Just out of nowhere, kind of. Yep. Which is a little weird. Um, and then we find out the truth of what Clay had said earlier in the movie about Korea when he shrugged. He never went to Korea. Yep. He joined the Marines because uh, his father had joined the Marines for World War II. And before he got deployed, the war ended. And it actually um, was very devastating to him because it was who he wanted to be. He wanted to go to the war. Right. He wanted to help and be a hero. But he never even had a chance. So his dad is carrying that around with him. And basically kind of forced it on his son. Yep. So Clay en- enlisted in the Marines and was in basic training and his appendix exploded and he got discharged. Right. And his dad just laughed at him for it, which is an awful response. Yes, of course. To have uh, to your son or anybody. Right. So Boone has opened up. Clay Boone has now opened up and revealed his truth yep. about war. And he says, uh, like, so no war stories for this guy. And James says, uh, you know, on the contrary, Clay, you've just told me one. Right. You know, which is great. Yeah. Because, I mean, th- this guy who, like, really has been through war, um, hears this guy's story about, like, not getting to go to war. And it's like, I mean, he's obviously been, if he's been carrying this around, and this is probably the first time he's ever told anybody this story. Yeah. Only him and his dad had known about it before. Yeah. Um, it's obviously, this is this is really unburdening yourself here. Right, it's just as traumatic yeah. as going into the trench. Exactly. I mean, it has affected your whole life. Because he's probably been pretending all this time. He's got the, I mean, like, he's early got... early in the movie, when in the first scene, when we see him in his Airstream trailer, did you notice the, the USMC Zippo lighter that he had next to his bed? He's got oh. the Lucky Strikes, or Camel yeah. non-filters, and then, like, <laughs> a gold Zippo with, you know, the, the Marine logo on it. It's like, he's still okay. walking around with yeah. this stuff. Yeah. You know, he's... It's not, he was in the Marines. He went to boot camp, right. but he never went to war, but he's kind of like, he wants people to think that he was, yeah. you know? And because it's, it's, it, it was important to him as it was important to his dad. And right. he doesn't want the, that, you know, like that. It's not about a secret that he's holding. It's that he just wants everyone to think that he was like man enough to have been a veteran. Right. Exactly. Which is stupid. If you ask me, just be honest about it. Yeah. You know, people would solve a lot of their issues if they just were honest. I mean, and look, again, yeah, again, it could be hard to be honest. Yes, it can. <laughs> it can be very hard, especially you know, like, well, masculinity is like it, the loss of it and the protection of it is something we've all you know like made ourselves victim to. You know, I mean, I've I've done things to make yeah. myself appear more manly in people's eyes, right. and yeah. you know, and it was always stupid. Yep. And I'm not saying I'm I'm still not totally innocent of it. I'm sure I still do stuff like that to appear, you know, um, like I said, you know, like like someone that that oh that guy's a real man, you know. It's like yeah. Uh, and I think back then in the '50s too. Oh man, yeah. At, right after World War II ended, and all all these fathers have these. Tales of valor that their kids want to live up to and they can't. I mean, World War One and World War Two had happened. And yeah, we are in 1957. It is duck and cover right. Dwight Eisenhower's America. Right. And it's your your grandfather's telling you stories yes. of the Great War. And your dad's telling you stories about World War Two. Yep. And then what do you got? Right. I've got to get something. Yep. 
just just having to live up to the generational expectations um, and proving you're a man by doing that. It's like the idea that you would ever like put that on your child too, that like they have to live up to your ideal of what a man should be. I mean, it's like, what are you trying to get out of this? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, obviously it's, it's, it goes even beyond that. I mean, all these people who are like, you know, I need to have sons so that I can continue my kingdom. Right. Yeah. Fuck off. (laughs) You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, so they're having this really intimate conversation about the wars and stuff. And, um, it's revealed James Whale shows them like, all right, I'm going to show you what I've been drawing. And it's just scribbles because his mental faculties aren't even allowing him to draw. He can't draw anymore. So he hasn't even been drawing. It's just been this, these therapy sessions. He shows him just like page after page of this sketch pad with like, uh, just, scribbles on it and it doesn't even look like anything it's nothing it's just a bunch of you know yeah lines yeah um and in order to help him out um clay decides to disrobe for him um takes off his clothes and says you know this is the way you wanted to paint me you know you wanted to draw me like a statue exactly so here we go i love how he does this yeah it shows how it shows how comfortable he feels with them, how safe he feels with them, and how much he wants to help him. Yes. Like, he's doing this for him. Yes. You know? And he's okay with it. He's, like, almost... It's the first time he's really um, deciding to embrace this guy as a true friend. Yeah. You know? Um, and this friend who's going through a rough time, he'd obviously... when he. Sh- to be shown, if if I was Clay in that moment, they showed me that those sketches. Oh my God, this this guy, he he's he physically can't do it. I mean, I, I don't know, like, I don't know what I would do, but I I, w- I guess I would try to come up with a way of trying to help him, and this is the only way he can think of. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So James Whale gets excited about it. You yep. know, he he can draw him naked, and you know, which is what he's kind of wanted to do the whole time. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> of course, but. Things start to take a little different turn here, though. Yeah. James Whale says, wait, and he goes and grabs this World War One gas mask that we saw earlier in the movie that was his, and he makes him wear the gas mask, which, honestly, it's a pretty cool image. It's really a, a big, naked, a, yeah. sexy guy with this gas mask on. <laughs> it's kind of cool looking. It's an arresting <laughs> visual, for sure. Yes, it definitely is. <laughs> But then he starts like touching him and like kissing on him yeah. too, starts and the mask is suffocating him. him a little bit. Yep, um, he's being inappropriate now. Now he's crossing the line, right? And Clay is keeps telling him, "Stop! Hey, I don't want you to do this. You need to stop." And eventually, he has to like throw him on the ground because he won't stop. Right, and he gets on top of him, and James Whale is taunting him. Telling him to choke him and kill him. Yep. Which is what he was kind of getting at with the mercy killing line from earlier in the scene. Right. He wants to die. Kill me. Um, and and the way he figures out a way to make Clay kill him is to, you know, like, yeah, do this. Like, because he, he, he says stuff when he said about the taunting, he's like, you know, hey, you know, what are your friends going to say? You know, I kissed you on your neck. I touched your prick. Yeah. You know, how, how are you going to how are you going to reconcile that? Yeah. You know? Yep. And he's on top of him and he is kind of choking him a little bit. Right. 
and he yells at him, I am not your monster, and then let's go. Yes. Like, um, and that's the end of that scene, but, uh, then, then he tucks him into bed, right? I right. guess, I guess they calm down a little, right? Yeah, because like, it, it, you know, cause he, James does get up and, and asks for forgiveness while, yeah. while Clay is, is like still like reeling from the, from the encounter. Yeah. Um, and like James, th- this is like the third time in the movie that like Jim, uh, James has like had to apologize profusely for his actions to yeah. Clay. You yeah. know, he had, but this is the, obviously the most inappropriate that he's ever been. I mean, just telling him stories was, was a, maybe a little out of line, but this is like, he was like going beyond that. Right. And I think his intentions with this were different from before too. Yes. Cause like you said, he wants him to kill him right. in this scene. That's his motivation the entire time. Right. Um, before he was just trying to, you know, get his rocks off a little bit. Yes, you of know? course. Right. But, Before he knew who Clay was and like yeah. he actually developed a bond and a friendship with him. Right. So it's a little different in this scene. Um and again, it's it's another tragic moment in his life. Like yeah. it's so sad to hear that he just wants things to end so much. And he's trying to get his new friend, who's been probably the best friend he's had in a long time. Yeah, of course. To kill him. I mean, if you I know why he wants to die. Um, yeah. And when he asks about believing in mercy killing, I mean, if he was asking me that question, I would say yes. Yeah. I mean, because I do believe in mercy killing. And I, and I, 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 I want to choke him to death on the floor. Absolutely not. <laughs> that, 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 is, that is out of the question. Right. What, what, my, what my proposal would be is something akin to like what Dr. Kevorkian was, was yes. trying to do. Yes. I think that it should be in a medical setting. And I think that people should be allowed to, you know, have that to make that decision. Um, because there are people who are living in tremendous pain sometimes. Or in the case of James Whale, he he knows that like his, his condition will just worsen every day until he's dead. Yeah. So if he can't enjoy life anymore, then what is the point of living? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. Like there should be something like that allowed. Yes. I don't think it should be as easy as possible to do. Oh yeah. Just because someone's having a bad day. Well, that's okay. Well, that's it for me. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. You know, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. There should be a rigorous screening process. Yes, exactly. Right. (laughs) You have to talk to a therapist before. I stepped in a puddle on my way to work. God damn it. God damn it. (laughs) That's it. I'm going to take a right here today. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, but then after they calm down like that, like he puts him to bed. Yeah. Which is wonderful. Yeah. Tucks him in like a little kid. Like they've gone through this horrible event right minutes earlier <laughs> and clay still has it in him to take care of him yeah and be nice and he still hasn't been given dry clothes no he's still in that towel yes uh and he's now got it like a sheet over his head like like you yeah know, mary magdalene <laughs> and i wonder if there's symbolism in that <laughs> it's gotta be so yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> but like he's uh walking around and then you know Hannah had had to step out. The reason she wasn't in the house is because like she had been called away to like uh, do something with her family. Yeah. Uh, some kind of emergency thing. Yeah. Her daughter needed something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the next morning uh, she is like getting the house ready and right. she sees Clay uh, asleep in a chair and um, there's a note next to him. Um, earlier before they left uh, 
Jimmy's bedroom, he had, he had like pointed out there was this thing on his, uh, this picture on his nightstand yeah. that was a sketch of like Boris Karloff, uh, yeah, as, was, as the monster. Yeah. And, um, Clay looks at it and he sees that it's, it's the picture from the frame and he turns it over and he says, you know, it, it's personalized to Clay. Um, yeah. and Hannah goes looking for, for Jimmy. She says, I must wake the master. Yeah. yeah. You know, she's pretending like she's Igor, I guess. Yeah. I put him to bed last night. Yes. He says, yes. She goes up to, to wake him up. Right. And he's not there. He's not there. So where could he be? Well, Clay looks outside and, you know, takes off sprinting toward the pool. And, um, Jimmy is in the pool in his finest suit. Yep. Face down. Yep. He's probably been there all night. Right. Yeah. And he, he dives in to get his body, pulls him out, gets him onto the, to the side of the pool there. And I mean, he's, he's totally dead. Right. He's been there forever. Right. Hannah runs down and won't let him try to resuscitate him. Um, for some reason. I, I know. Yeah. I, I don't know what this is about. And I also don't know why Hannah, you know, like makes, <laughs> like throws him back in the pool. Well, she says like, we, she doesn't want anyone to know that Clay was there. Okay. I, I yeah. guess because, yeah. I don't know. Cause earlier in the movie, she said she's upset because, because he's a homosexual, he's going to go to hell. Yes, right. Of course. I think maybe she's trying to help that yeah. somehow. Cause yeah. she's saying something about, this during this scene i don't know no you're you're right that that is that so, is those her motivation maybe she's trying to help his soul somehow i have no idea and she also doesn't want like the there to be any kind of scandal like because they would ask you like why was clay there? yeah yeah you there'd know. be a scandal yes. yeah so i don't know so they have to throw his body back in the pool right which is just a gut punch i know exactly because oh. i mean you know ugh. yeah and, and right before the morning there was a final dream that uh, James Whale had yep. while he was sleeping. And it it was where you said kind of earlier where they're at the trench in World War yeah. I. But um, it's in silhouette. It's Ian McKellen and Brendan Fraser walking just in this barren landscape with a single tree. Right. And it looks like Frankenstein's monster walking. And I guess it's Dr. Frankenstein? I mean, who is it? Uh, you, the, well, gr- the girl? Uh, who? Who is Ian McKellen supposed to be in that scene? I or is it just know. supposed to be? I think it is just him. Symbolic of yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Maybe it is him. It is James Whale with the monster, right? Because the monster is yeah. in some ways his creation, in addition to Doctor Frankenstein. Right. He's the god, right? Right. Yes. So, um, but yeah. Then there's flashes of the gunfire, which is kind of like lightning bolts, you know? Right. And you see it's actually the actors, right? But then it flashes back to the silhouette, and it's in the slow mo in like a sepia tone. And then we see down in the trench, there's, what's his name, Barnard? Barnard, yeah. Yeah. He's down there laying dead in the trench with everyone else. And then James Whale goes down into the trench and just lays next to him. Takes his place ne- like like right. Which next to him. We find out, you know, in the next scene, he killed himself. Yeah. And, and that must be the moment. Yeah. Right there when he lays down with his true love. Yes. So. That's kind of lovely, actually. It, it is beautiful. Yeah. It's pretty great. Right. Um, so right after the, the scene with the pool, it kind of just cuts right to what? 10 years later. Yeah. Something like that. I think it's now like probably night. I'm going to say it's 1971 now. So probably 15 years later. Yeah. So it doesn't even say yeah. anything. It, we right. don't get anything. It's just thrown back in the pool and then boom, 15 <laughs> years later, yes. doesn't even say we're, we're, 
we're watching Bride of Frankenstein on the TV again. Yeah. And what it is, is Clay has grown older now, and there's a, a boy watching the TV with him, his son. Yes. About 10 years old. Right. Something like that. And so they're watching this movie together, and Clay is like reciting the lines to himself <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Because he, he has such a special relationship with James Whale. Like, yep. even from the get go, he was so happy to watch Bride of Frankenstein now that he had met this guy, right. you know? And now he's watching it with his son, and he even asks him, like, what do you think of the movie? And he said it was good, you know? So, And he shows him the picture, the drawing, the sketch of the Frankenstein monster. Mm-hmm. And says, like, I knew that guy. Right. He gave me this. Like, he was my friend. Right. Um, which he was like, oh, cool, Dad. You yeah, know? <laughs> it's, it's a really nice yeah. moment. Yeah. And then he has to take the trash out. His wife tells him to. I guess. I don't yeah. know. I don't no, know if she says that or no, not. No, she does. She's okay. like, yeah, she tells yeah. him like, yeah, but before, before the, you know, the garbage man Before comes. it rains. Yeah, before it rains. That's right. Yeah. So he goes out there and then this is where we get the shot yes. of the rain coming in from the wrong angle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like the most obvious rain machine yep. you've ever seen. And, and like, and then Brendan Fraser does a cool move. Uh, he starts <laughs> lumbering down the street like Frankenstein's monster in the rain. Yeah. Uh, like, like the pantomime, you know, ah, like Boris Karloff stuff with his arms in the air. And, but then he goes back to kind of just like skipping around yes, the puddle. Yes. And then back to Frankenstein mode. Right. Yeah. Pretty cool. I didn't like it that much. Actually. Oh, you really I, you I, didn't I, like I it. I didn't really like it. Okay. Tell me I don't, about it. I don't know why. I just okay. was like. Too much? I don't, maybe. Okay. I don't know. But <laughs> something about it. I was like, like, I guess. He's in the middle of the street by himself pretending he's Frankenstein, which I just felt was maybe it was too much, but <laughs> I don't it's know. a strange thing to it's do. It's very weird. Yeah. But I've done shit like that before. I've You made... know, I'll just stop in the middle of the hallway and like do a karate kick or Dude, something. You're talking about my life's work. Yeah, like so, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. It's not as bad as I'm making it okay, sound. Good. Right. Yeah. Like it's not bad, but I think I was kind of like unexpecting that. You yeah, know? of course. Right. I, th- I figured, okay, he'd be in the rain and he'd like look up or I I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Yeah. For the Frankenstein walk. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's the end of the movie. The the, the camera like kind of cranes up and out as right. he walks through the alley in the rain. And we have that cool thing, like that credit card thing that comes up, you know, a good cast is worth repeating. Yeah. Um, just like, you know, Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, the same title card just yeah. with, you know, the actors from this movie. Yes. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty yeah, good. Good stuff. Anything else, Dave? Um, there was the, uh, the, there was one short scene earlier in the movie where uh, Hannah uh, puts James to bed and she brings him his pills. Yeah. Yes. He's, he's got his jar of pills there and he opens it up and pours them all into his hand. And then we cut and he is like in the bed, like with his tongue lolling out and she comes running in and she goes, Oh my. And there's like, you know, like terrifying music right. on the soundtrack and she's trying to revive him and she's crossing herself. And then we cut back to James in the bed with the pills in his hand and he just starts laughing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool. I think to know that like James whale in, in that time and place, he would have put that joke in one of his movies if he could have, Yeah, you know, um, yeah, because it says everything about who he is and yeah. how he thinks. Yep, uh, I lo- yeah. I really loved that part. Yeah, I was kind of shocked. I was like, "What? What? Really? <laughs> exactly. Oh no!" Right. And then he laughs about it and puts the pills back in the bottle. I know. It's such a great character choice. That like, that that laugh of just like yeah. he's just like he's that morbid humor. I know. Yeah, he he yeah. loves it. He put 
as much as he could into his movies that, that they would allow him. Yeah. Um, but like, and also, um, too, I, I think that like part of the thing that we missed about like the, the thing with clay and, and James when they're during, when they were talking, um, one of the aspects of his career that he talked about was what happened after he had made showboat. Um, yeah. he wanted to make his now most personal film, which was called the road back. Um, it was about Germany after world war one. Yep. And it was, he was really excited about it and he says it was going to be his masterpiece and the studio took it away from him, you know? Yeah. And they didn't like it. They, they changed stuff. Yes. And ruined it. Yep. Um, they, they added slapstick and, um, it just was, it was totally unsuccessful and it what it's what soured him com- like on filmmaking in, entirely. Right. And he took the hit. They yep. blamed him. Yes. For, for it being a bomb. Yeah. It was his fault. Yes. Um, and the other thing, the only last thing is, is not really about the movie, but like just about James Whale's paintings. Um, some of them are in the movie and some of them you can just like Google them. Uh, one of them was, uh, there's a painting of his studio that they used to, uh, to create the studio, the pool. Oh, uh, that's really cool. Yeah. They just like did it. They're like, cause he put so much detail into this painting. They were able to like, you know, use it to create the set. Um, and the other one is like a, a, a cool um, painting of like a premiere night at man's Chinese theater. Um, it's, it's in the theater yeah. and, and it's just such great perspective. And like, uh, like you see the, 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 the blue light coming off the screen and everything, man, he was a, he had a, he was a real artist with a great eye. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really cool if you can just check that stuff out. Jeez, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Um, Okay, so would you recommend the movie, Dave? Yes, absolutely. Uh, this is a this is a great movie, and um, it's a very personal film for Bill Condon, um, and also for Clive Barker. So yeah, check it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I'd recommend it too. Um, after talking about it, I think I even have more respect for it. Like oh, that's I liked cool. it after watching it, yeah. but now we've discussed it. Like, yeah, this it's great. It's a deep film. It's yeah. very deep, and it's it's there's not much to it really. It's just a lot of. Um, these therapy sessions I know. And, and these two characters. People just ha- people just talking about things and working it out. Yeah, it, you're right. Yeah. All right. So that wraps it up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast. Rate it, review it, and most of all, share it, as we said at the top of the show. Yes. It gets more dudes listening to the dudes. And you can also go to dudesonmovies.com slash demand and get your requests in. <laughs> right. And you can also find anything else anything else you need right there. Yes. And we're on Facebook, Blue Sky, and Instagram. Look for Dudes on Movies. And our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. That's right. And Dave, we have a question of the week. What's the question of the week? Uh, what are your favorite fictional stories in which real people are characters? Mm-hmm. And stay tuned next week when we do 1986's Ferris Bueller's Day Off, directed by John Hughes and starring Matthew Broderick. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time.